Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio. The show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are four drivers eliminated, down to 12 racers competing for the NASCAR Cup Championship. A legend in men's tennis is hanging up the racket. Looking back on Roger Federer's amazing career. A couple of NHL players are skating off into the sunset. Madness reigns supreme. Recapping last week's college football games and previewing week four's biggest games. With that, I give you our chief our fire brigade, Rob Cow. Thanks, Colton. Good to be here on a Wednesday night in Delaware, Ohio, in the studio in Matt's basement. Uh, welcome, everybody. Glad you could uh, tune in. And uh, like Colton said, we're going to get into some NASCAR stuff. We're through the first stage, um, you know, the first first round of the playoffs, as you will, um, and getting ready to start the second round. Four guys got uh, knocked out of the round of 16. We're down to 12 drivers now. So, uh, Matt, give me your thoughts on uh, what's going on in NASCAR right now. Yeah, it's kind of interesting through those first few races. Uh, none of the guys that were really running for the championship came out on top. So, I mean, nobody really had an automatic advance through. Mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, Jones, Wallace, and Busher who ended up winning those first three races. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's kind of showing that really this is this is anybody's game here right. through mm -hmm. this thing. I, I think anybody's got a real shot to win. It was it's kind of nice to see Bubba Wallace finally getting off the schneid and getting a win. I'm sure that made uh, old MJ there pretty happy. Yeah. But that, that win also kind of brought up a point about, uh, you know, Bubba Wallace and um, – Denny Hamlin are teammates by by ownership, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, they're kind of on different teams, but they have a partner, an alliance. Yeah, yeah. Where, where Hamlin's with um, oh Joe Gibbs Racing, mm -hmm. and then you know Bubba Wallace with Michael Jordan, mm -hmm. which is co-owned by Denny Hamlin. And it brought up some questions because Hamlin actually finished second to Bubba Wallace. A mm. lot of people thought he really had a chance to win. Mm. They thought he kind of laid back because he had the opportunity to make more money. Mm by not winning okay so as, as an owner so yeah so, so people were kind of kind of wondering you know should, should, a, should a driver be an owner right. as well right. it's still racing you yeah. know yeah it seems yeah, yeah a little bit of a true. conflict of interest right. yeah it's, well it's, and he's the he's the lone i'll say old guy left in the 12 <laughs> yeah. you know you had kevin harvick and kyle bush both knocked out of the running so mm -hmm. you're down you know the only i in quotations old guy left in there's denny hamlet at 41 years old mm -hmm. the next closest one's joey logano 32 so right, right. you know and everybody else is in their 20s so right you know we talked about this you know going in that this was uh you know a lot of, a lot of new faces a lot of young drivers in there um yeah like like matt said it's been a three race first round and none of the guys and none of the 16 guys that won those races um and yeah, to win that race, uh, you know, Chris Busher, he kind of took a chance uh, when at the last pit of the day he come in, he only took two tires, everybody else took four, and it paid off for him. Um, yeah. You know, they, they took some other chances, but that was the big one going in that I saw down, down at Bristol. Bristol's a tough track, tough, you know, a short track, fast, you know, and just a lot of action there. So it's it's hard on tires. So that, that was a big gamble right there, only going with two new – two new skins on there right yeah absolutely and you know like dad said yeah kevin harvick and, and kyle bush eliminated as a group of the four and then the other two were uh tyler reddick and uh, austin dillon mm -hmm. the other two racers that that were eliminated after the race this past weekend but uh you know similar format we got three more three more races um at the first one's here at, at texas motor speedway mm -hmm. then they'll have uh talladega and then uh, finally the last race will be uh 
Charlotte, but it'll be the road the road course at, at Charlotte. Yeah. So yep. interesting to see, you know, the, throwing in a little bit of, you know, different dynamic, you know, not just, you know, straight oval races. We got a road course as a part of the, uh, you know, part of the mix. Um, and that, that will be the elimination race too. the Charlotte mm-hmm. course will be right. the elimination race. We'll have, you know, another four drivers that, that will, you know, be taken out or whatever based on what the final point standings, you know, uh, shake up as. So we'll see, we'll see how it is, but, um, you know, just looking at it right now, you got, you got chase Elliott there in the, in the top, the top mm-hmm. spot right now. But, yeah. uh, you know, like 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 Matt said, with nobody, none of these guys really, you know, winning any of the races. It's it's all bunched up. No, you know, it's all all, yeah. all bunched up again. And and it, like I said, it's so, anybody's race. And I mean, thirty four points separates one from twelve. Right, right. Yeah. So I think you know it's it's uh, definitely a lot more you know competitive. I think than maybe what we saw saw last year. Um, you know, Kyle Larson pretty much dominated the regular season and you know continued his dominance even into the playoffs. Um, and I think this this year you, you're seeing a little bit tighter tighter race tighter mm-hmm. bunch um, and and like I said I think anybody one through twelve has a possibility to, yeah. to to make their mark. Yeah, going back to those you know those guys that were eliminated, Harvick had uh, some bad luck leaving his pit there. Um, I think it was on the last pit as well. They took on four tires and he took off too early before the last tire was tightened mm-hmm. up. Had to back up, ah. have it tightened back up. So you know he was he was out pretty much and then. Kyle Busch blew a motor. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this is the first time in his career that he's not made it out of the first round. Oh, wow. Um, you know, since they've instituted this playoff format. So, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, there's some big names that, that aren't going to be there at the end of the season now. So, mm-hmm. you know, look for uh, look for some exciting racing with some guys that maybe you've not don't know all that well going forward, but yeah. it's going to be interesting. Just trying to, trying to make a name for themselves now here in, in NASCAR, you know, like you said, some of the, the old guys, you know, the old regime, you know, kind of fading out or, you know, whatever. And, you know, the new, new era of racers, you know, making their mark here. So and the question is, is that really good for NASCAR though? Cause that old regime is kind of, you go to a NASCAR race, you see the people wearing the hats. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the old regime that yeah. most of the fans are really into. Right. Yeah. So is this going to be good or bad for NASCAR? Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. I guess. It's tough because, I mean, obviously NASCAR is already struggling to, to get viewership, get, you know, right. keep fans Big engaged and things like that. And, yeah, like yeah. you said, with the old regime, you know, phasing out or, you know, taking their, taking their leave, yeah, it's going to be really tough for, you know, NASCAR's got – big PR, you know, stuff on their hands to try to, you know, promote these new racers, get mm-hmm. them, you know, to have kind of that same, you know, feeling that, that, you know, the old guys do or that mm-hmm. fans have about, about the old guys. So, but yeah, definitely, definitely going to be interesting for NASCAR. We'll, we'll see, you know, I, I think, I think, I think this is a good way to start, you know, start phasing it. You start seeing some new names and, you know, people get a little bit more familiar with, uh, with the guys, you know, have them in the playoffs and, you know, competing for, for a championship. So. Uh, and one, one last point about that Bubba Wallace win. He actually won it driving the number 45 car, not the 23 car. Mm. They, uh, it's a strategic move to have him drive in that car because, yeah. uh, the, the driver who's driving the 45 car earlier this year had, you know, done done better, won some races, and then he got injured and he's out. But for the owners' points and have a chance at the owners' championship, it it goes by the car, not the driver. Uh, so so that one had a better chance to have a chance to win the owners' championship. Okay. So that's why they've got Bubba Wallace driving the forty five and not the twenty three. Yeah, interesting, interesting, interesting yeah. strategy. That's good, good insight, Matt. I didn't yeah, didn't know good. that, but yeah, that's that's good to know. <clears throat> All right, well, like Colton said, Roger Federer, forty one years old, hanging it up. He's done with. Uh, 
ATP tennis. Um, what a career, though. You know, he was he was a dominant guy. You know, part of the big three. Him and uh, you know Rafael Nadal and Nadal and, and, and Djokovic. Uh, yeah, Novak Djokovic. Djokovic. So you know, um, but the, here's a guy in his in his career. He he spent 237 weeks at number one. Wow. That consecutive weeks, actually 310 total. Yeah. Weeks. Yeah. That's yeah. consecutive. Yeah. Right. That's 237 consecutive weeks. Four and a half years, yeah. fellas. Yeah. That's, that's, crazy. that's a long stretch. <laughs> Man. That's, <laughs> yeah. And I think that's about, actually the, the record. That's yeah. the oh, longest yeah. by you know. a long shot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, finished the year uh, five times at number one, you know, the end of the season, five times number one. Mm -hmm. Second and overall wins at 103. First Wimbledon wins eight times. And, Actually, speaking of Wimbledon, that's where he won his first title clear back in uh, 2003. Yeah, yeah, no, and, you know, like like you said with that number one ranking, just to kind of piggyback off of that, not only did he hold it for that long, but he also was the oldest guy, oldest tennis, you know, men's tennis player to ever hold that number one ranking. He actually was 36 years old back in 2018 and was, was the number one ranked, you know, tennis player. So, yeah, just an impressive, impressive career. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you can – there's probably – an infinite number of stats you can go right. into that, that probably don't do this guy enough justice of just how dominant he was in the, in, you know, men's tennis. Yeah. He's really probably got to go down as one of the best of all time because right. not only was he, you know, the number one in the world for 237 consecutive weeks, but he did it in a time where there's a lot of really good men's tennis players yeah. out mm -hmm. there. The competition I mean, is competition tough. was tough and yeah. he just, he's just still dominated every week. So, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, I, I think he's got to go down as, possibly the goat in men's tennis yeah absolutely um you know i was reading reading something you know he just finally said that you know he'd had several knee surgeries over the past you know three years um and those those knee surgeries were just really giving him problems and even the most recent one it, it seemed like he was having a little bit of some setbacks after some matches he had played in you know just wasn't healing up the right way or just you know wasn't wasn't feeling right so he just you know decided it, it was time, um, you know, to, to hang it up. But, you know, he, he said in, in one of his kind of closing, you know, remarks or whatever is that he's played in over 1,500 matches mm. over a 24-year career. I mean, that's uh, that's amazing to me to, to, to hold up, you know. And there's there's some guys that, I mean, play tennis for a handful of years or, right. you know, they, they, they'd be lucky to make, you know, five years playing, mm -hmm. you know, professional tennis because, uh, you know, like you said, like, like you said, it does, it takes a lot of, a lot of gruesome tear, wear and tear on those knees of you know back side uh, to side and, and then just a lot of you know quick you know movements and things mm -hmm. like that so yeah hat, hats off to him um you know he's he's hanging hanging it up you know after a very very impressive impressive career but uh not quite quite done yet he will play in, in one more kind of one more big big event before he you know hangs it hangs it up and that's the uh the laver laver cup uh, which is coming up actually this this weekend mm -hmm. um and I, I was just curious just to see what what that is or you know i've never never really heard of it it's not really one of the the big ones or you mm -hmm. know you don't really hear about it too much but it's a uh three-day uh team event that uh pits six of europe's top players against six from the rest of the rest of the world against you know against each other to see you know who who's the better you know tennis players i guess or the better team of tennis players so it'll be interesting that that team europe they got you know federer rafael nadal Djokovic, and andy murray probably the four best tennis players right. you know on their team so 
so team, they sound like team, it be a team world or team, you know, whatever they call the, the you know, the other guys um, definitely got their work, got their hands full um, yeah. here. So yeah, it'll be, be interesting to see how that, how that goes. But yeah, this, this guy, do you look for him to do, you know, kind of what they did with, with uh, Serena there a couple weeks ago, you know, the, a lot of the focus is going to be on him and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, a lot of the media surrounding him. And, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, and what I was, what I was kind of reading is that, you know, some of these guys, you know, like I said, like Nadal and Djokovic and all of them, like weren't, weren't planning to play in this kind of laver cup mm-hmm. or, you know, laver cup. But then once they heard that, you know, Federer, this was going to be kind of his last, you know, big, big event, mm-hmm. they kind of said, yeah, we're, we're going to play. We want to, you know, we want to congratulate him, you know, give him his proper send off, you know, be there, you know, to, to, you know, send him off or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I expect this event that may, you know, it may get some popularity in the past or, you know, maybe, you know, somewhat of a big event, but I expect it to be much bigger because of the, the circumstances. Right. I expect it to be, you know, a very popular ticket and just, you know, a, a lot of, a lot of people to, to show up and, you know, send send roger off with uh you know nothing but praise so. it sounds like a nice strategic way for him to go out you know because he doesn't necessarily have to win his match to mm-hmm. to win the the team side of things so he could go out as yeah. a winner mm-hmm. where yeah. serena kind of made it tough on herself there. right yeah you know it, talking to her you know she played really well mm-hmm. uh, but she went deeper into that tournament i think than whatever any everybody thought she was going to and absolutely you know and, and on that what a career she had mm-hmm. you know unbelievable yeah. Obvi- you know there I, to me there's no doubt she goes down as the goat of in women's, women's tennis, tennis. No, yeah. no doubt in my mind yeah so. absolutely yeah, yeah. all right so uh lots of uh retirement news different sport though we're going to move on to the nhl pk suban um re- hanging it up hanging up the skates after 13 seasons yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like Dad said, you know, PK Subban, you know, hanging it up. Only only thirty three years old, but you know, thirteen years in the in the league with uh, the Montreal Canadiens, the Nashville Predators, and the uh, New Jersey Devils. Um, you know, suited up in eight hundred and thirty four thirty four games, scored one hundred and fifteen goals, and had four hundred and sixty seven points. Um, you know, this guy, uh, you know, known as kind of a kind of a hard worker, known as one of the one or one of the better defensemen in the league here as of as of recent. Um, you know was drafted second overall by by the Canadians back in 2007 um, but didn't actually make his debut for the Canadians until 2010 so it's been a couple of years you know in the kind of the minor leagues of hockey but you know got his shot and and you know it paid off uh, you know won the the Norris trophy in 2013 which is uh, for the NHL's top top, top defenseman, defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah the guy you know played hard you know was was a you know top top defenseman there for handful handful of years and uh you know it, it like i said it paid off you know uh no no pun intended but uh 2014 he got a eight-year 72 million dollar contract extension from the canadians which at that time was the highest contract for a defenseman so mm-hmm. they saw something that they liked but yeah ultimately you know was traded to nashville you know played a couple of seasons there and then you know played out the rest of his career there in in, in new jersey uh, but yeah i think Overall, just yeah, a, a good solid career. Good solid career. All star, right? You know, um, yeah. I mean, Matt, what do you, what do you got to add on? Yeah, I mean, he played 834 regular season games. He had 115 goals, 352 assists. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's definitely a, a real solid player. I, I think after he signed that big contract, though, his career kind of started going on that downward trajectory. I mean, he mm-hmm. he played well, but he, he wasn't the same player he was before he got that big contract. But yeah. you know, hats, hats off to him for a great career and. uh you know, see what he what he does. He's his... uh, going on to be an analyst, so he's, he, okay. we're still going to see and hear from him. He's going to sure. be uh, 
you know, talking some games and, and doing all that. So he'll still be around. Awesome. Right. Yeah. Wait on. I did a little, little, a uh, little estimate there, a little work there. They said the average NHL player only plays four and a half years. Oh wow. Um, you know, so you know, even saying he's only thirty three years old, he's still you know thirteen seasons in the bigs. Um, Almost and triples the, the, the yeah, know. and they said in the top twenty five players only play an average of twelve years. No, so, so he's even he's even you know above that. But yeah. the next guy we're going to talk about, <laughs> wow. you talk about the Iron Man, Sedino <laughs> yeah. Zara. You yeah. know uh, the Big Z, they called him tallest player to ever play in the in NHL at six nine two fifty. Yeah, should have been playing basketball. Yeah, an but... imposing figure out there, you know, as a defenseman, but. 24 seasons for this guy, man. Right. Uh, you know, uh, wow. Yeah. How do you how do you beat that? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, he was a captain all 14 seasons. He was in Boston. Mm -hmm. um, All-time leader in games played as a defenseman. Yeah. Six-time All-Star. Uh, got a Stanley Cup in Boston. And here was a stat. He won the hardest shot five times in the NHL mm -hmm. skills competition. Wow. Broke his record each time. The last one be a hundred and eight point eight mile an hour. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's, that's crazy to think uh, he's you know he's just a defense he's a defenseman you know right. to think that he's got you know that that much of a you know uh, slap on the puck as as a defenseman. That's that's crazy to think. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's nuts. But uh, I guess that big body, them long arms, he gets gets them wound up yeah, and he, gets, he turns that thing loose. Right. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, you talk, you know, major league pitchers aren't throwing that fast. And those goalies that's got to, got to see that thing coming. It's like a split. It, you know, sometimes at a shorter distance than, you know, <laughs> than, what, than the major league pitcher, yeah, obviously. So you talk about quick reflexes and, uh, you know, hand eye coordination on just kind of puts that into perspective. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Guy's definitely amazing. 24 seasons, he played 1,680 regular season games. 209 goals, 471 assists. He's definitely going to go down as an all-time great. I, I look for him to be in the hall. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, and, played and, the most game sevens. I think I read somewhere the most game sevens as yeah. a you know even uh, a crucial game seven when they won that Stanley yeah. Cup. Yeah. Um, you know, and that was at that time was uh, Boston's first uh, Stanley Cup they had won in, in 30 almost 40 years. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was you know just instrumental. I mean uh, what that meant for you know the city of Boston and you know the hockey hockey team there. But uh, you know right right after he you know got signed with Boston he got named as the captain. You know like Dad said spent all 14 you know spent 14 seasons as the captain there in Boston and uh, saw an interesting stat. But uh, yeah he's only the third Slovakian born player to ever be a captain for an NHL team. Mm -hmm. So I making a little bit well. of you know short you know short small history there there you know as a Slovakian player. But uh, you know I think not just not just what he did for the, for the NHL, but did for his, you know, his own, his own home country as mm -hmm. well. Um, he led the, uh, his native Slovakia to two silver medals at the IIHF men's world championship and led him to a second place finish at the world cup of hockey in 2016. Uh -huh. So, you know, did, did some stuff on the international level too, for, mm -hmm. you know, a kind of a smaller country that, you know, you don't, don't hear about too much in the, in the news, but, uh, or, don't think of as being the dominant, you know, hockey, you know, country Power or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, did, did a lot, not only, you know, here in the U S with the, with the, the NHL or, you know, the NHL teams he played for, but doing it on an international level. And, you know, like Matt said, you know, great, you know, long lengthy career, but, uh, I think definitely he'll, he'll go, he'll go into the, into the hall of fame. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I, I could potentially be first, first ballot, you know, uh, on, on so. that hall of fame uh, list. So. Well deserved. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yep.
All right. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Uh, don't leave us. We'll be right back right after this message. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. All right, we're back. Thanks for sticking around. Um, time for some college football. Wow, what what a few great few weeks it's been in college football. We're now, you know, going into the fourth week here, um, you know, and we'll kind of go over our games of the week from last week. Um, I'm again, I'm consistent. I went three and two for the third week in a row. Yeah. Um, I, I missed I missed that BYU Oregon game right up right off the, as, as the first game, I, you know, I, I thought, I thought BYU would play a lot better. Mm-hmm. They only, you know, we're only able to put up 20 point, 21 points or 20 points. I'm sorry, against the ducks. I thought, I thought that that, that would be a, a totally different game for them. Yeah. I think they just kind of, kind of got off to a, to a slow start. Mm-hmm. They didn't really start to kind of get things going on the offensive side of the ball until, you know, much later in the game. And by that time it was, it was too late, um, you know, and, you know, hats off to, to Oregon QB Bo Nix in this one. You know, yeah. we talked about – He looked much better. Yeah, looked – you know, that game against Georgia, I mean, he looked, you know, like the old Bo Nix or, you know, the, the same old Bo Nix that we are, you know, used to seeing. But in this game, he he was he was magical. And I think it was because he didn't have to do too much. I mean, he only threw 18 passes. Um, he got a little bit more on the on the rushing side or, you know, was able to get out of the pocket and, and get some rushing yards. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was because – they didn't put too much pressure on him in 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 the passing game. He he mm. did just enough, you know, kind of as a as a game manager and and um you know the defense obviously did a, a heck of a job containing containing BYU's offense, but uh, especially on that that running attack, BYU ran the ball twenty four times, only sixty one total yards. Mm. So That's hats cool. off to, to Oregon's defense. Absolutely. They you know it, it was it was an all around good game for for Oregon. You know right. both sides yeah. of the ball, but uh, yeah, I thought. Thought BYU. Obviously, I, I got this one wrong as well. I thought B- BYU would be a little bit more competitive in this one, but uh, yeah, they just got off to a very, very slow start and just never were able to to fully recover. Yeah, common thread you're going to hear from me this week. I got this one wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was zero yeah, five on Matt this had week. A disastrous but, you know, week. It happens. Yeah. A week but, to forget. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely impressed with Oregon's defense, like you said, holding BYU to sixty-one rushing yards, and really it was the rushing game that kind of helped Oregon control control this game throughout. Mm-hmm. They ended up themselves having 212 rushing yards. So hats off to Oregon for a great game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Next yeah. one was uh, Penn State and Auburn. Um, I got this one. This was one of them I got right. Uh, uh, Penn State, you know, uh, wow, held held Auburn to 12 points. I mean, yeah. that that was pretty impressive, and you know, and put up 41 points. A uh, a team that's not known for putting up a lot of points mm-hmm. and. And they did this week. Yeah, yeah. I think the stats were were a little deceiving in this game. But on paper, it actually looked a lot closer than that final score was. But it was really the turnovers that were the big story of this yeah. game. Penn State was able to force four Auburn turnovers, Ooh. and that that you, you know is just like disaster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I think at the same time, you know, Penn State kind of beat Auburn at their at their game. They, you know, coming into this one, you knew Auburn was going to have to establish that running game, get the running game going. They're they're you know big running back. 
nine carries for only 39 rushing yards. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and on the flip side, you know, Penn State running back Nick Singleton, 10 carries, 124 yards and two rushing touchdowns. So, you know, just a, a tale of, you know, two two things. And like I said, I, I think at the same time, because Penn State, you know, somewhat established that lead, it, it forced Auburn to have to throw the ball. Right. And, and and we knew going into this, that obviously was not, not Auburn's game. strength or, you know, it was not what they wanted to do. Um, so, yeah, obviously this Auburn team is not built to come back from, you know, big, big deficits or, you know, mm-hmm. whatnot. But it, then it doesn't help when you turn the ball over four times, yeah. you know, that, that, tough to win. yeah, tough, very, very tough to win. But, uh, you know, I think the, I think the hot seat for, for Auburn's head coach is getting, getting a little bit hotter. Um, this is now Auburn's fifth straight loss to a power five team. Um, and it was at, at home, you know, they don't lose too often at, at home um, in that stadium. Yeah. I think it definitely, the, the seat is getting, getting red hot there for, for, you know, the Auburn head coach. So, Something to something to keep your eye on for the rest of the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. See what what he can do. Obviously, the SEC is no no joke. It's, right. it, it seems oh, like yeah. every it's week you're get tougher. yeah every week you're you're battling. So uh, I think it yeah yeah they're going to see a lot better teams than Penn State. Mm-hmm. I think yeah absolutely. So all right, Texas Tech, North Carolina State. Colton, how'd you do on this one? Yeah, I got this one. This is another one I got got right. I think uh, this was the I think the Penn State and the uh, in this game were the only two I got right on the slate. So uh, after this, I'm going to be singing the bluebirds too, Matt. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I think this one is, is more about North Carolina state's defense rather than, mm-hmm. you know, the offense and, and this mm-hmm. one, they, once again, they forced four turnovers, had yeah. four sacks, seven tackles for loss, 10 QB hurries. Ooh. And no, and uh, Texas tech was only two of 12 on third down. So, yeah. you know, I just, I think the offense didn't really do anything prolific or, you know, whatever. I think it was more, about the defense of what they did to limit a, yeah, a here, high flying. Hearing those stats, the Texas Tech's probably lucky they put up fourteen. Right? right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And 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 this is a you know a defense that returned ten starters from from last year's team, and they ranked four, yeah, they they ranked fourteenth in scoring defense last year, twenty first in total defense last year, and like I said, bringing all those guys back, I think this guy is going to be continue to be the limit there to you know improve on some really good numbers that they had last year. I think mm-hmm. that they can do even, even better this year, but uh, yeah, just Texas tech was never able to get in a rhythm. They, right. they, they had that quarterback, you know, figured out all, you know, all game long. And uh, obviously Texas tech came into this one leading the nation in passing yards and, and Texas tech put, put a shutdown to that real, real quick. Yeah. yeah. yeah really. Like you said, the, the story of this game was the four, four tech turnovers and man, hats off to a great NC state defense. I mean, you kind of hit everything else I had to talk yeah. about. So, yeah, it's yeah, great I think job. That, was, that was kind of the key to the game. That was one I, I did get right as well. Um, moving on, Michigan State um, playing Washington. I got this one correct. I, I, uh, you know, I was back and forth on it when I did take it. But I don't know, Michigan State, the little bit I have watched them play this year, I really – I wasn't all that impressed with how they played up to that point, and I did wind up going against the Big Ten school and picking Washington, who did wind up winning twenty-eight to thirty-nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this one I missed by a by a wide margin. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I picked Michigan State to to get this one done, but man, they just I, I watched pretty much this entire game. They just yeah they from the get go, they never looked like they had any energy, never had any sense of urgency yeah, I don't know if it was going out and playing out west or yeah, what was I going on but don't yeah, know but but uh you know like i said the key you know i i, I kind of went against myself i probably should have picked washington mm-hmm. because my key to the game was michael Penix jr and his familiarity with this michigan state team and 
you know, the stats that he's put up mm-hmm. when he was at Indiana against Michigan State. And he continued that dominance, yeah. you know, this this week. I mean, completion-wise, was only 24 of 40, but had almost 400 passing yards and, and four, you know, passing touchdowns and was never sacked by Michigan State. Wow. And this Michigan State team came into it leading the nation in sacks. So, yeah. you know, I think that he, he had a lot of what I watched, you know, yeah, it, it seemed like he had all day to throw mm-hmm. back there and just receiver open after receiver open, you know, all day, every day, and and – you know, I, I, the key for Michigan State when I was talking about this game was getting that running game going. But mm. they got down so early, they got you know Washington mm. came out and just hit them quick, whatever. That that running game was was you know it, they couldn't run the ball because they needed to score points, they needed to get get going. Mm. So they relied a lot, you know, in that passing game, and that's just not not, not what their Michigan State day, yeah. Michigan State wants to do. Yeah, like you said, that that rushing game really couldn't get going, and they, they only had forty two total rushing yards for. For a historically good rushing team right. there in Michigan State, yeah. that's unheard of. Mm-hmm. And then Washington, on the other hand, on their offensive side of the ball, had 503 yards of total Whew. offense. Yeah. They were just going up and down the yeah. field. Michigan State had no answer. Yeah, no answer yeah like you said, Michigan State, Washington didn't punt. Their first punt didn't come until the final minute of the third quarter. <laughs> uh, so you knew, it, you know, that doesn't spell good things for, you know, <laughs> no. for your defense. Right. and uh, Out there on the field for a and, long time. And, and we knew, you know, what what kind of defense, you know, at least the secondary, what were we going to get from Michigan State? Uh, you know, obviously last year they had the worst pass defense in the in the nation last year. And through two games, obviously against, you know, inferior opponents, they look like they might have, you know, changed things figured or got, got things figured out. But Washington lit them up, <laughs> lit them up and, and found the flaws in that, still in that secondary. So it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward well, for, yeah. for this Michigan State, you know, if, if – teams can continue to exploit, you know, that, that major hole in their, in their defense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on the last one, after going, you know, getting three right there in a row, I, I missed this last one, Miami against uh, Texas A&M. And my, what, what, who is Miami? I, you know, I can't figure them out. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, they only score nine points against the Texas A&M team that, I mean, I, I didn't think their defense was that great going in, but mm-hmm. wow, I don't yeah. know what happened to Miami. Well, you know, Texas A&M really didn't show anything in this game either. I mean, no. they, they're kind of the same lethargic offensive team they've been all season long. I'm not sure really what they're going to turn into. Right. They've still got a lot of questions to answer. Mm-hmm. They won 17-9, to but, I mean, statistically, Miami dominated this mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. I, I just I don't I don't really know how Texas A&M ended up really getting the win. Yeah, I think uh, you know, kind of looking at it, it just looked like Miami couldn't couldn't uh, you know they couldn't keep drives going. They yeah. would get you know they would they would gash you know Texas A&M for some yards or you know get some chunk plays and get down there you know somewhat close to the red zone, and that's when you know things get kind of tight, and that's when Texas A&M's defense kind of kind of tightened up, but. They they obviously were down, you know, their their top wide receiver and 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 some other injuries that are dealing at that wide receiver position. But there just were a lot of dropped balls in mm-hmm. this in this game, um, and I think that 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 hurts you, um, sure. you know. And and it you know they come down and yeah, it just seemed like a lot of their once they got kind of past that fifty yard line, their drive just kind of stalled. They they mm-hmm. you know had some drops. They just couldn't you know generate enough offense to keep keep sustaining drives to put it put it in the end zone and had to you know settle for some some field goals but i don't know for if texas a&m at this point if you can say you know hats off to them i think they still once again still right. have some some questions on that offensive side of the ball um and, and we'll we'll get into them a little bit here in in a minute but right. uh you know i don't know I, they yeah they, they changed quarterbacks but and he threw one touchdown right. but 
it Nothing. wasn't like he was prolific. You know, they mm-hmm. did. He was just, mistake free though. Yeah, that, it, that's, that, that's, that's the, the key. key. Yeah. He, he did just enough, you know, but I, I think going forward, their defense is going to keep them in games, mm-hmm. but their offense has got to find if, if they're going to compete in an sec or, you know, keep, keep competing there in the sec and try to, you know, get back to into the kind of the college football playoff discussion, their offense is going to have to find yeah. some answers. And I yeah, just, so what quarterback do you bring back next week? I mean, I think, I think you got to bring back, you, you know, Max. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he, you know, played, played showed enough that you know, like, I think the key, like Matt said, was, was the turnovers, you know, what weren't a lot of turnovers and, and did, you know, enough to, to move the ball um, down, down the field. But yeah, at the end of the day, I, I think that they still, I, I can't say that he's, Head and shoulders above the other guy. No. I mean, I yeah. still think you got got questions at the QB position. All right, very good. All right, well, that's the old business. Let's move on to the new business. Uh, our five games for for this weekend. Um, there's some good ones on the slate. I think um, first one is number five Clemson going up against uh, number twenty one Wake Forest. Two three and O teams. You know, in the ACC. Uh, we'll see what happens here. I. Um, you know, over if you look at their stats overall through the first three games, they're they're real similar. But if you dig just a little bit deeper, um, to me, um, Clemson's given up 244 yards passing, and that seems to be Wake Forest's strong point. Mm-hmm. They're they're gaining 306 yards through the air. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then but Clemson's way more balanced. Um, and to me, I guess to go ahead and do my pick. Got a way more balanced attack, um, and I think Dabo, you know, I think it gives him a week to prepare that secondary for, you know, knowing he's going up against a team that likes to likes to gain their yards through the air. Um, I think I think Dabo at 153 and 36 since he's been there keeps his stranglehold on the ACC, and mm. uh, I got I got the Tigers over the Demon Deacons. All right, yeah. Man, what do you think? Yeah, like you said, I mean. Clemson's defense has given up some yards, especially through the air, but they've kind of been bend, not break, Mm because they're only giving up 14 points per game so far for the season. So I I think that it's kind of going to play similar here. I I think Wake Forest is going to end up with some field goals instead of some touchdowns. Mm. It's going to ultimately cost them. Clemson's going to get to win in a close one. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Clemson comes into this game; they're they're favored by a touchdown coming into this one. Um, going to be on the road though. You know, against against Wake Forest and. I think the the key is is in this one is you know Clemson's offense has kind of gotten off to some slow starts to mm-hmm. start you know to start the games. Um, their their opener against Georgia Tech, which they won by a score of forty one to ten, but with about twenty minutes to go, that game was fourteen to ten. It was yeah. a close game until about the last twenty minutes, and then you know Clemson's offense decided that okay, we Wake better up. start better start playing mm-hmm. some ball here. And and it was no different last week against a a, a much inferior opponent in Louisiana Tech. Clemson was only up 13 to six at halftime and then, you know, wind up going on to win 48 to 20. Uh, so, but I, I, I think in this one, you know, Clemson can't get off to that slow start. Right. This Washington or this Wake Forest team can put up points. So you can't, you can't just, you know, play complacent. You know, I think the defense will be locked in, but it always seems Clemson always plays their best against, against Wake Forest. Doesn't matter what team they have, even the bad, what you would consider a bad team that they had last year. Mm-hmm. They racked up almost 600 yards mm. against this Wake Forest team, and they bring back almost the exact same defense, you know, that they had last year. Plus, Dabo, 13-0 and against Wake Forest since he's been at Clemson. I like the Tigers to get it done. 14-0. Yeah, yeah. Make Dabo, 14. Like I said, their stats are the same. Uh, Clemson's 41 points a game, Wake Forest 42. 
giving up 14 uh, versus 24 for Wake Forest. They're both giving up about 430 yards off or gaining 430 yards of offense and both giving up about 315. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I think Dabo gets his secondary corrected and, and you know, this is a win for the Tigers. So, all right. Um, uh, you think maybe we're talking about basketball with these <laughs> next two teams, um, perennial basketball powerhouses. But, no, we got uh, we got two teams in Duke at 3-0 and Kansas at 3-0. Coming into, uh, you know, into Kansas, Jayhawks at home, you know, I think they've played a little better competition so far this year in a Houston and a West Virginia team. Mm-hmm. Uh, both of those wins they got on the road, you know, I think, they're, and they're favored by seven and a half points. Um, Duke's got their three wins against Temple and Northwestern and North Carolina A&T. Um, I think to me uh, – Jalen Daniels is, you know, leading his team in passing and in rushing. Uh-huh. Um, you know, seven TDs against one pick. Yeah. Uh, 566 yards passing already this season. And uh, he's averaging eight and three-quarter yards per carry. And, you know, as a quarterback, say, okay, okay, maybe he's only run the ball, you know, four or five times. That's why – that, that number is kind of skewed, but that's not the case. He's carried the ball 27 times wow. already this year, yeah. gained 237 yards mm. and, and three more TDs. Wow. So yeah. I think that right there, um, and plus playing at home, I, I, I got the Jayhawks over the Blue Devils. It's not it's not uh, Halloween yet, so no Demon Deacons and no Blue Devils. <laughs> I'm, I'm winning for me right All now. All right. Yeah, well, it's interesting you bring up the basketball thing because uh, these two teams actually will face off in basketball in, in, a, in, a, four, in a couple of months. So we'll get a, get a short preview of what we're going to see on the football field when you know before these two teams actually face off on the basketball court. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, Kansas comes into this one uh, – I mean, they're – only Michigan has scored more total points than Kansas uh, through the you know first three games of, of the year. Um, Kansas says, and if you want to talk about competition, I'd say Kansas probably heads and tails right. above a Michigan. Right, exactly, so and that yeah, Michigan's you know their their favorable schedule has obviously helped them help them out. Kansas, you know, like Dad mm-hmm. mentioned, has had two big wins against Houston and West Virginia, um, and, and yeah, what what a turnaround for this Kansas team that that you know I think maybe went. One 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 game last year, mm-hmm. or, you know, won a couple of games last year. Um, so it, it's it's an amazing turnaround. But I think I think the difference for me is Duke has given a lot of given a lot up in the in the passing game, and and that's not doesn't spell good things when when you got a red hot offense in in Kansas. Right. Uh, two weeks ago, when Duke played Northwestern, Northwestern threw for almost 500 yards in that game. Northwestern's only done that one other time since 2007. <laughs> so I, I think that, that, that that's not, you know, not good things for, for a Duke team. I think Kansas is just going to have a little bit too much offense, but I expect this one to be, be a shootout between these two teams, but Kansas at the end of the day, a little bit too much offense. I, I like the Jayhawks to get it done. Yep. I'm right there with both of you. Kansas comes into the game as one of the best offenses in the country. They're averaging 53 points per game. I just don't think Duke's going to be able to slow it down. I'm going with Kansas. All right, very good. All right, well, we're, we agree in the uh, first two games. Um, now the next one might might get a little uh, variation here. I'm <laughs> thinking you got number twenty Florida at two and one going in to play a three and zero Tennessee Volunteer team at ranked at number eleven, and um, you know I was surprised they got they got Tennessee favored by ten and a half points in this game, mm-hmm. um, but I think to me just like kind of in the last game that we talked about. I think it's going to come down to quarterback play. Um, you got Anthony Richardson for Florida, 
zero TDs and four picks as a QB going up against Hendon Hooker, six TDs, zero picks. Uh, the Gators' strong point seems to be on the ground, you know, uh, 212, averaging 212 yards a game. Um, you know, they, they, but they have played some pretty tough competition so far. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough. You know, they, they beat, they beat a, a number seven Utah team that's now ranked 13th. So, you know, it's not like they've dropped out of competition or whatever. And, uh, you know, Tennessee built, did beat a ranked um, pit, pit team at 17. They were ranked 17th when they beat them 34-27 in week two. Now Pitt's ranked 24th. So they're still in the top 25. Mm-hmm. So, um, but to me, I like, I like the Tennessee at home. With that quarterback play, I'm going volunteers over the Gators. Yeah, this is going to be going to be an interesting one. I mean, you you would look at you know kind of the stats or look at the historical trend, and you'd say, oh man, Florida should probably be be the favorite or you know be be a little bit closer than maybe that ten and a half uh, because uh, Florida has actually won five straight in this in this rivalry and sixteen out of the last seventeen meetings going all the way back to 2005. But that's where I say you know not not so fast here. You know, I think that hit it nail on the head there with with the QB play just. Two different contrasting styles, you know. Hendon Hooker from from Tennessee seems to be trending in the right direction. Anthony Richardson on the other side for Florida seems to be going in the in the wrong direction, and uh, that's not what you want going on the road in in a in a hostile environment. You know, at Tennessee, I, I think for Anthony Richardson to be you know competitive or to, for that Florida offense to be you know competitive in this one, they got to get you know Anthony Richardson outside the pocket, get him get some rushing attempts. But Tennessee has only allowed opposing QBs. 18, they've carried the ball 18 times for negative 22 yards. So I don't think that defense is going to give up too many rushing yards to, to a quarterback there. I like Tennessee to, to get it done, contain the, the attack there on the on the Florida offense. Yeah, I know when Rob first broke this down, he said the spread was 10 points, and he, he thought that was kind of high. I don't think it's near enough. Mm. I'm going Tennessee. They're averaging 52 points per game this season. The Florida's only averaging uh, 25 and then Tennessee's only given up 14 points per game to Florida's 27. They've played similar types of schedules. I think t- Tennessee's heads and tails is the better team here. I think Tennessee runs away with it. Wow. All right. Three for three here. We're agreeing here. It's crazy. Yeah. So we'll probably all go 0 and 5. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, moving on. Arkansas coming in at number 10, 3-0 against a Texas A&M, A&M team that we just got done talking about from last week. They're 2-1. and one, And – sitting at 23rd in the country, but Vegas has them favored by two points. Mm-hmm. I was I was a little surprised. At I this. mean, but it was the same thing last week against Miami. I, they I they came in as, as somehow yeah. the favorite, even though they looked like looked like the underdog or have looked like the underdog. You know, KJ for Arkansas coming in, six TDs against one pick, mm-hmm. playing real good. Um, Arkansas has given up – their big problem is giving up grounds uh, passing, but – Texas A&M's passing attack is not that great. Right. So I think that that's going to be the issue. Uh, yeah, what quarterback do you go with? I, you know, the, the the guy that got polled, Haynes King, uh, three TDs against two picks. His QBR was only 30.1. Mm. Uh, so I, I, I agree with Colton. I, I think you got you got to leave the guy in there that got you the win last week. But I don't think it's going to be enough. I got the Razorbacks. Uh, taking Texas A&M. Yeah, what do you think, Matt? Yeah, I'm, I'm with Rob in this one. Texas A&M just has no real offense. We've seen through three games. They just can't get the ball moving. They're scoring very little. Arkansas, though, on the other hand, we know can put up some points. I'm going with Arkansas to win this one. 
wow, folks, make it make it another three on this one. <laughs> um, but you know, if I if I have to say that there's any blemish, you know, like Dad said, with this Arkansas team, you you can compare it to maybe last year's Michigan State team. They got a dominant rushing attack. They got a decent enough QB that can you know make make you know defenses have to you know play both the run and the pass. They got a defense that gets sacks in in bunches, um, but the defense allows a lot of passing yards. They come into this game giving up over 352 passing yards, which is dead last in in the nation, which is very similar to that Michigan State secondary from from last year. But can Texas A&M take advantage of that of that you know that weakness? And and to me. I have not seen enough in the first in the first three weeks to say absolutely. I mean, I, I think they have a couple of playmakers on that Texas A and M side of the ball, but I, I think this one could be could be very close to that two point spread, or you know, it, it could be a very close game because Texas A and M defense is no slouch. They've only given up two total touchdowns the whole entire year. It's just come on, offense, get your stuff mm-hmm. together and figure yeah. something out here to, to help out the defense. But at the end of the day, I think Arkansas just a you know a hair bit you know more they have more figured out on that offensive side of the ball i think than texas a&m i probably shouldn't you know i picked against texas a&m last week and they were at home that's a tough (laughs) tough environment to go into but i think arkansas you know is is a legit team there in in the sec i like them to get a tough tough road win here on the on the road and 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 squeak one out wow this is getting a little scary guys (laughs) all right down to our last pick we'll see you We'll see if we go uh, for agree. Yeah. first time ever, I think, that we've ever all agreed on anything. <laughs> um, we got number seven, USC, coming in at 3-0 and against an Oregon State team at home. Uh, is also 3-0. and And Vegas has USC by seven points. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that combination of Caleb Williams – Eight TDs against zero picks, a 93.1 QBR, and his wide, favorite target wide receiver, Jordan Addison, five TDs, over 16 yards per catch. I like the Trojans to to get take care of the Beavers this weekend. Yeah, I agree agree with that one. Um, you know, I, I think the key will be, you know, what what is I, I think there could be a lot of points scored scored mm-hmm. in this one. I'm not sure what the over under is in this one, but you know, it, it could could eclipse it um, just because. You don't know. The Trojans' defense has been kind of boom or bust uh, this season. They have forced 11 turnovers, and USC has not committed a single turnover themselves, which is you know pretty pretty impressive. But uh, you know Stanford, a, a much you know less lesser team uh, to USC, uh, put up 33 total first downs. So they were able to move the ball against USC. They just weren't able to turn those you know keep sustaining drives and 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 turn those into touchdowns or turn those into significant points and. Even last week for USC against Fresno State, they were over 400 total yards, and and they probably would have even gone for more if they're you know um, if Fresno State's uh, you know prolific quarterback and Jake Hayner hadn't gotten hurt in the third quarter. So it could have been a little bit more interesting. So I think there'll be a lot of yards, a lot of points scored in this one. But I, I think I don't know that Oregon State's offense can hang with that USC team. They they got a lot of weapons on that offensive side of the ball. Uh, you know. Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, like Dad said, uh, I like the Trojans to get get the win here. Yeah, you know, going into this game, I looked at the stats. Both these teams are actually very similar on paper. Uh, they do at least both have a common opponent, which kind of helped me help me make my choice. Mm-hmm. They both played Fresno State. USC won to the tune of forty five seventeen, while Oregon State it was thirty five thirty two game. It could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I think USC has just a little bit more. I'm making this a perfect five for five what here for USC. Oh, I, think, I think the <laughs> I think lightning's going to strike right, or yeah, something. I think, think, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. So, all right. Well, that's our that's our five picks for the week. Um, you know, let us know how we're doing. Um, I, I think it's going to be an, another exciting week in college football. Yeah. A lot of the conference schedules now kicking off this weekend. So right. we're going to see maybe, you know, what, what some of these teams are made of, you know, who, who's the fakers and who's the, who's the real, who's the real deal. So. Yeah. Like you said, we're getting into conference play here. So this is, yeah, this is really going to separate, you know, see who the real teams are in their respective conferences and, you know, kind of separate those, those teams out. But, uh, yeah, going to be another exciting week of college football. So stay stay tuned this, all right. this weekend. Well, that's all we got for you this week. We appreciate you tuning in, and uh, Colton's going to sign us out. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for listening to Fired Up with your hosts, Colton Cow, Chief Rob Cow, Matt Cordes. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode this week. And uh, if you want to hear other topics for you know future episodes, or you know you just got a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the on the show, uh, you know feel free to reach out to us on our different social medias. We got. Uh, and Instagram, which our handle is fired up underscore podcast, or you can find us over on Facebook if you search for fired up comma sports podcast. Um, and as always, if you want to find out a little bit more information about the show and find out, you know, see some of our past episodes or listen to some of our past episodes, you can always head over to our website, which is www.firedup1.podbean.com. Um, and, and as well, you can find all of our past episodes, and even this episode will be posted uh, later tomorrow. Um, you can find it on pretty much any podcast platform you can think of, Apple, Spotify, Google, Pandora. So anywhere you can listen to a, to a podcast, you can, you can find our show. So as always, we appreciate you listening, and uh, as always, stay fired, fired up. up.